0: Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawn Mower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawn Mower 4.0. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code RCST. At Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and they just launched their Lawnmower 4.0. Imagine surprising your dad with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says your balls will thank you on the box. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cuttering. <clears throat> their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You might ask. How is this lawnmower 4.0 different from the other trimmers? Well, this upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. This is a great feature if your father or yourself do a lot of traveling. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. You can now shave your balls in the dark. Did it? Loved it? You should try it as well. Get 20% off. Plus free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. Get your dad a gift you know they'll use. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code RCST. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Did you know that earlier this week on Tuesday was my sixth year anniversary of hosting Rock Chalk Sports Talk? I did not.
1: You want some flowers? Well, see... Truffles.
0: Tuesday, I was curious if you would say anything, and I didn't, so I didn't say anything. Yesterday, I thought maybe he just forgot, or maybe he had his, like he was a, his his calendar was a little mixed up, and he thought it was Wednesday instead of Tuesday. So I didn't say anything again yesterday, and then now that we're two days removed, it's becoming clear to me that you just didn't know or care, or both. How when did you start uh, uh, producing daily? Um, Do you know? Would have been 2016
1: in the summer, probably around June, the start of June, 2016. So, probably
0: looking around five years. So, you came on about a year after me. How many shows do you think we've done together? You ever think Uh, about that? It's got to be, okay, so. Let's say five
1: years, about, what, 200 shows a year, maybe? Is that enough? We've done probably, yeah, we've done over a thousand shows. Feel confident in that. Well, your sixth anniversary gift, traditional gifts, are candy or iron. So what would you rather me get you?
0: Just like a hunk of steel? Yeah. Probably be better for me.
1: (laughs) What are you going to do with a hunk of
0: steel? Well, it's not about what I would do with a hunk of steel. It's Mm -hmm. it's just like what I would do with candy. We've done a thousand shows together. Wow. What do we have to show for it? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like what? What have we accomplished in all those those years together? Not a whole hell of a lot. I'll tell you that much. But here we are, man. So happy anniversary to me, at least. I don't remember when you started. Uh, but you know, happy anniversary to you as well. Thank you. We've got news on the college football playoff front. That is sweeping the nation. I didn't think we were going to get news this quickly. I did know that whenever there was going to be an announcement made surrounding college football that we would all unanimously hate it <laughs> because history would indicate that at no point have we ever liked the way that champions are, uh, are crowned in college football. That, I mean, think about that. For one of the most popular sports in America, yet we all detest the championship format that it just rages on. And that's what makes you wonder if having a controversial postseason format is the best thing that a sport could have. Because we love, nobody ever complains about the NFL. Nobody ever, I mean, you could say that too many teams make it in the NBA, but, you know, what else are you going to do? Have an 18 playoff? Of course not. College football. Looks like it's headed towards a 12 team playoff. The working group, the four member working group that we talked about earlier this week, have recommended a 12 team playoff that will be discussed uh, when the College Football Management Committee gets together later this month in Dallas. If they endorse this 12 team proposal, Or if they decide on something else, they will then recommend that to the College Football Playoff Board of Managers. And the College Football Playoff Board of Managers is the 11-person membership of 10 representatives from each conference plus Notre Dame. The only difference from the playoff format that was proposed today... And the one that we discussed earlier in the week is that there will be six automatic bids to the highest-ranked conference champions. So not the five Power Five champions plus one group of five champions. Simply the six highest-ranked college football champions. So this past year, for instance... Both Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina would have been in because you had Cincinnati as a champion from the AAC. You had Coastal Carolina as the Sun Belt champion. Cincinnati was ranked eighth. Coastal Carolina was ranked 12th. The reason why they would get in at five and six is because the Pac-12 champion, Oregon, was ranked 23rd. So, and last year, last year's, the way it played out, if the, playoff format was in place, the Pac-12 would not even have had a representative. Now, most years you're not going to have five champs who are ranked ahead of whoever that that fifth champion would be. But it's not inconceivable to think that with the way the Pac-12 has been trending, that there won't be years in the future where a Power Five conference is left out entirely. And going back through the years, if you used this format and went through the years, um, I mean, UCF would have got in, obviously, in 2018. Memphis would have got in in 2019. Western Michigan would have got in. Western Michigan. How about that? Corey Davis, baby. In 2016. Houston in 2015. Boise State in 2014. That's the funny one to me because when— the format switched from the BCS to the playoff in 2014. I remember thinking nobody's going to play Boise State now because a, a Boise State 13 and0 team that didn't play any ranked opponents was never going to make it into the top four yet even if you would have expanded if, if they if we never would have went to a 14 playoff and would have immediately went to this new proposed 12 team playoff Boise State would still only have they would still only have one playoff appearance to their name
1: yeah I mean they like their best teams were at the latter days of the BCS like they had a year where they beat ACC champion Virginia Tech they had a year where they beat uh, a good Georgia team and uh, gosh I remember uh the year that they shouldn't have lost to Nevada and the Colin Kaepernick team they missed like two awful field goals I think they were as high as like third in the BCS.
0: Yeah, and and once you switch to the format, like just from a scheduling perspective, not that it would hurt their chances individually, but teams had to look at it and say, if we play this team, even if we lose to them, we're still alive for the playoff, but if they win, now all of a sudden they could take a spot Mm -hmm. away from us because they've got a quality win, which happened to be against us.
1: So you know what's interesting? Obviously, the college football playoff rankings are vastly different than what we get with like an AP poll, for instance. But since we don't have the college football playoff rankings for 2013 and, and lower, if you just take the AP poll as the closest thing to them, if you went back to 2008 and Kansas won the Orange Bowl, they would have obviously been in the 12-team college football playoff. They would be the nine seed, and the eight seed they would be playing would be Missouri.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah, the the committee did say they did not recommend any sort of precautions taken to avoid teams like from the same conference playing each other yet again. Here's exactly how it would work in terms of the format. The top four teams would each get a first-round bye in this playoff. So Team 5 would play Team 12. Team 6 would play Team 11 and so on and so forth. Those first-round games would be played at the home stadium of the higher-seeded team. So you're talking about on-campus postseason games sometime after the conference championships are played. The quarterfinals, so the next round when those top four teams are playing for the first time, would be basically played on New Year's Six Bulls. Then the semifinals and the championship games would be played thereafter I don't know if there would be a bye week or if I mean in some cases you could talk about teams playing in a conference championship and playing four weeks in a row so how's that going to work are you going to shorten the conference season are you going to shorten the non-conference season I almost feel like you can't shorten the non-conference season because I feel like non-conference scheduling is going to be more important under this proposed format
1: yeah that, that does make it tough because there's um, so many games though yeah, do you shorten the conference season to eight games for everybody instead of some playing nine? I I think you can at least shorten the non-conference season by one game. You know, for, for schools that are playing three or four games, drop it down to two. And then you can play one cupcake and one really tough team. But I, I honestly think, like, I still go back to, I think you should still have bowl games. I think you should Well, like, you will still have bowl games. No, but, like, before the playoff. Like, I think you should just say, let's do one non-conference game, you can make it a marquee matchup. You have nine conference games. Make it a uniform thing. Everybody plays nine conference games. Get rid of the conference championships. If you have two teams who both go 9-0 in conference, awesome.
0: You know? Should we, shouldn't we just... Aren't we to the point now where we should just stop bringing up the idea of scrapping the conference championships? Why? Because it's never going to happen. Just for money? Yeah. Don't say it in a tone that acts as if but here's, you're here's surprised and or disgusted no, by but that reality. I
1: guess the question I have is what would make them more money? Would it be that 11th game? Because basically what I'm saying here is 11-game season before the playoff. Where the 11th game was conference championships for 10 conferences? Or would it make them more money to have bowl games before the playoffs where you have a matchup of this team versus this team? And it helps you seed out the playoff, or it might help you figure out but, who the but, last at-larges are.
0: Derek, the allure of comfort, of bowl games and the reason why— the because you have to think about human psychology here, and I don't want to get too deep, but why do we care about bowl games? It's because of what they represent, because the idea that Kansas, out of nowhere, could have a Cinderella season and win the Orange Bowl. And what that means for its fans and for the players to win an Orange Bowl, because what that signifies. That's why we care about it. If an Orange Bowl now is not the pinnacle of a season, but yet a feeder system into something that's bigger, those bowl games by default mean less. They signify less. It's like winning a conference champ it's like winning a conference tournament, like in college basketball. And I just can't imagine any of the parties involved wanting to shift towards that, towards essentially taking all these bowl games, which for the— I mean, that's one of the few things that has existed for the history of college football, is the importance of winning bowl games. And you are basically saying, let's make them mean less now. No, I
1: think that makes them mean more. Because think about it. If you have bowl games now going on while the playoffs going on with now 12 teams— and uh, nobody's going to care about those other bowl games. This allows the bowl system to still live and still
0: be Yeah, a, but, but but for a team that wants to win a championship to win an Orange Bowl and then to lose in the first round of this proposed playoff, it's not going to feel the same as ending your season, winning an Orange Bowl, we did it, we won a BCS Bowl, or we did yeah. it, we won a New Year's Six but Bowl. But
1: with the 12-team
0: playoff, you don't have that either.
1: You could win the Orange Bowl in the quarterfinal round and losing the semifinal, it's the same idea. It's just this gives you another version of evaluation instead of being able to say, well, we think this team's better because we like the teams they beat in their conference better. Now you could say, well, actually this team beat that team
0: on a neutral field. Yeah, I just, I like the, maybe I'm a traditionalist, but I just like the bowl games being sort of I seen just think as like that if, if you don't do something with them,
1: I think the bowl games are going to die.
0: Well, what, if you're going to play left. this quarterfinals as bowl games, does that mean that the semifinal games, which right now are bowl games, are just standalone games played on a neutral site with no bowl affiliation? Yeah, what I'm saying is you play all the bowl games Right beforehand. now you're only talking about two two of the major like New Year's Six Bowls actually being feeders. Into the championship, right?
1: Right. Well, because you have,
0: what, 4,
1: 8, 10, 11 games in the 12-team playoff? Yeah, you'd have 11 games. So if there's New Year's Six bowls, that means you have six of them. Uh, you just have to add five more. What you find to be the five biggest bowl games that aren't New Year's Six right now. It's so like the Cotton Bowl? That is a New Year's Six. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't know, Holiday Bowl's kind of a big one. Alamo Bowl is usually a big one. So we're getting, we're promoting. We're promoting some bowl
0: games. Does that mean the teams that have previously won the Holiday Bowl or the Alamo Bowl can now retroactively be like, look at what we did back in 1970? I've always thought that, by the way. Like a program like Kansas who's just looking for something, you should go back like 100 years ago and find a good season and try to claim a national championship okay you know and just say that well you know that the championship system is so convoluted and we've changed it so much that we actually were we're diving through the history books and we actually think uh, we deserved a, an extra title all the way back when just even if there's absolutely no basis in reality just to get, steal a couple headlines make people have the debates on TV you know dominate the sports cycle for How about a this year days.
1: 1905 they went 10 and one that was like Kansas people AP poll, yeah. Ten and 1, 1905, claim the title. Who 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 has the title in 05? I have no idea. They were coached by Doc Kennedy. Oh, here's another one in nineteen oh eight. It went nine and zero, undefeated. So you have no reason not to claim the title in nineteen oh eight. I mean, does that like does that change everything about this program? If all of a sudden you bring in that's what I'm saying, like, but like exactly we won two
0: titles. Like, if UCF could do it two years ago. <laughs> right. Who's to say that you can't retroactively go back and say that we did it? Were they doing Helms? Was that Helms Championships? Is Helms just a college basketball thing? Or was no, I think it was football. both, and I'm pretty sure it was all. I'm pretty sure it was all like Ivy League schools I mean, that were winning championships. Alabama has back the national anyway. title
1: for a year that they finished like 22nd or something in the rankings.
0: I'm trying to see who won. Yeah, it was Chicago versus Yale. Chicago and Yale both won the title in 06, or in 05. What year were you suggesting, 08? 1908, they went 9-0. and 4-0 in the uh, MVI AA. Penn. Penn won it all. You know touchdowns were only worth 5 back then and field goals were worth 4? <laughs> <laughs> let's bring that back. Yeah, let if we're, if we're changing the championship format, which I don't know is pretty important. Well, how is nobody proposing even more radical changes to the sport? Of, I want. Could you imagine touchdowns to be worth less, field goals worth more? I want two balls. I want. To, I want. No limitations for the amount of players that you can have on the field at one time. Nick
1: Saban is now like spending more of his recruiting
0: time on kickers than any other position. <laughs> how did Kansas not even get a shot? How did Kansas go nine and zero? And what would have been, I guess, the Missouri Valley, right? Yeah. How did they not even get a shot at the title?
1: Well, they didn't have like, you know, the BCS
0: college football playoff. East Coast bias. Yeah, so who did uh so who did Penn play in the championship game?
1: I think there would have been bowl games then. They would have had to play somebody in a bowl game.
0: Harvard. Oh well, Harvard finished the season undefeated. Imagine that! Like hundred and fifteen years ago, the Ivy League schools were thought of as the powers. What happened, man? They had such a good stronghold on athletic dominance, and they let it slip away. And like team, like LSU went undefeated in 08, but they were thought of as being in a weaker conference against a weaker. Like That's field wild. Of competition to think about.
1: It's like LSU, your conference wasn't strong enough. Sorry. And they
0: thought to themselves, "Let's, let's sort of rework some things." <laughs> they took took them about 115 years, but they have very firmly wow. changed so the tide. Wow. So, what do you think there? we're going to be talking about? Not us, but
1: people in 115 years, looking back on right
0: now. Well, think about it, because this would be the first step towards non-traditional power. Like this is how it happens. Like little incremental changes like this is how. You even the playing field, and it's not going to happen overnight. Like the idea that all of a sudden, you know, teams from the AAC or the Sun Belt are going to start to creep up towards the SEC and the Big Twelve, but it's a it's a minor change that certainly helps them on an individual level and go to go out and get maybe an extra player or an extra two players. And does it make it more inclusive? Absolutely. Does it water down the field a little bit? Probably, but like, what do you want? you got to ask yourself this because a lot of people are going to complain. Ask yourself, what do you want out of your college football season? Because anybody with half a brain could have told you when the four-team playoff was introduced nearly a decade ago, that it was going to result in the same teams winning the championships every single year, which is exactly what's happened. So then we thought, okay, well, let's expand it Let's give these group of five teams a chance to win. And by default, what that's going to do is make it more likely that a less deserving team is going to win the title. And the year that happens, we're all going to complain that this isn't the way it should be. So you tell me, if you're somebody not happy with this new proposed 12-team playoff, tell me the perfect system. Tell me exactly the way it needs to work because we've been trying at it for over 120 years and apparently we still, still haven't found that perfect system. So I'll keep waiting. It's 25 past the hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I was texting with our next guest, Scott Jason of Fog.net earlier today and he found a way to... Weave into the conversation that he has recently received a blue check mark on Twitter. He's officially verified. It did not elicit a response from me. I was not going to respond to him. Instead, I just thought I would bring it up on the show today. So, you know, the idea that now, you know, a week ago, Scott was just a normal guy, you know, just an everyday person, just like you and I. And today he is verified, yet... Still kind enough to take some time out of his now what I would imagine is incredibly busy schedule to talk with us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Scott verified Chase and joins us now on the show. How's it feel?
2: Well, uh, just to correct you on a couple of things. One, I was verified yesterday, uh, not today. Uh, okay. Two, I think uh, I can sense the sarcasm here, but I would just say this. You know how after like big press conferences, Someone will ask an athlete about what people are saying about them, and they'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, I don't listen to that. I don't care. I block Uh out the noise. That's how I feel about verification in that everyone wants to be verified, and everyone cares about it, but people will be like, oh, I don't care about it, whatever. So I thought, why not just embrace the heel turn uh, now that I've been fully verified and just find ways to weave it into conversations. You know, in high school, this is not a joke, and it's actually kind of sad. I was voted my senior class most likely to be verified on Twitter, and I had always kind of felt bad, like I was letting everyone down uh, every day that that I wasn't verified for. Uh, Now I can, I guess, officially say that I was successful based off the standard that uh, the people in high school thought I would uh, attain someday.
0: Derek, should we try and get verified? Do you think we can? Uh, What's the criteria? I don't. How'd you. I what, don't know. What'd you have to do, Scott? Did, did you have to sit down with like a board of directors at Twitter's headquarters? Like, what all did you have to go through? What was that process like?
2: Well, I think some places, uh, depending on where you work, can be connected. Currently, there's a legit public verification form, but uh, I think you have to have certain. I, I don't totally know how they do it because I know some people have done it that way and been or not been in other ways. Like you go through your work and things like that. So I think it's different for every
0: place. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send the request later this afternoon. Uh, as soon as I get done with the show, maybe as soon as I get done off the air with Scott, and then uh, then we can be verified together and start plotting our our world domination. I guess because that's the next step after uh, becoming one of the Twitter. Elites, as we'll call them. Scott, earlier today, uh, the college football playoff, the uh, working group, the four-member working group, proposed uh, 12-team expanded college football playoff. Basically, every time college football changes the way they determine their champions, we, as the collective college football public, have found ways to dissect it and annihilate it. Do you think they got it right or are inching towards getting it right?
2: Yeah, I actually think they did. Um, I I think the 12 – well, I I think it in part. I know one potential hang-up is, you know, what games would be home games, what games wouldn't. I think some of those, like the top four seeds would obviously want uh, the – quarterfinal games when you get the the playoff down to eight they would want those to be held in the campus site I understand why uh, the others or the non-traditional college football powers they would say no we want those to be neutral site bowl games and quite frankly I, I don't really care I think either way I think it works terrific I think uh, you know eight always seemed like the right number just from the perspective of you get your five power five champs uh, you get a group of five school in there and then you have a couple out large bids. Um, but only because, like, going to 16, going maybe even to 12 for a while felt like too many. But I kind of like the idea of just the six highest-rated conference champions. Because you could, in theory, get into a situation where a couple of those conference champions do are not, you know, power five teams. Now, it's not going to always happen that way maybe not even often or you know it might be extremely rare that it does but it, it still opens it up it's still more access it's more at large teams the big schools the sec you know the big conferences they won't hate it because they can get more teams in and then those you know non-power five schools also get a chance too so i actually think it's the best of both worlds for everyone
0: yeah like this past year uh, going based off the final college football playoff rankings both cincinnati and coastal carolina would have gotten in. Oregon, meanwhile, Pac-12 champion, I think they finished the season ranked 23rd. They wouldn't have been in, not even as an at-large. So there could be the opportunity where Power 5 conferences still are left out of this thing. Probably not very often, but it does leave open the possibility. What do you think is the motivation here for college football? Because we can talk about what fans want, but that isn't always the what drives decisions, right? Because if fans got their way, we never would have seen a 14 playoff. It probably would have immediately went to an 8 team playoff. So, do you think this is a money decision or do you do you sort of give the this working member group the benefit of the doubt that they are trying to make this the best possible format and and make it more inclusive to those non-power 5 programs?
2: Well, I think it's it's a money decision of course and the final decision will be a money decision. But I think this kind of format has been about appeasing everyone, right? So it it still favors some of those big schools who are going to get that buy. You know, they won't have to play in the whatever round comes before the quarterfinals. Very similar to the NFL playoffs, how they used to be. You know, you get your two teams that used to get, you know, buys for that first round. Um, I I think it makes the power conferences happy because their champions are almost certainly guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. And maybe the SEC would say, hey, we all, you know, we always get someone in. That's not a huge benefit to us. But by expanding it to 12 teams again, you know, you're going to get two, three, four SEC teams in, which I think they're going to be happy about. So, um, I actually think it's a pretty great solution. I'm very excited to see how this proposal gets changed and ripped apart and whatever as, you know, it goes through whatever processes it needs to, to actually make it happen. But, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And honestly, kind of seems like just fun for fans, fun for everyone. You know, I, I don't know how many games are going to end up getting hosted on, you know, certain uh, campuses, but um, even if it was all neutral site games, even if everything was, you know, kind of bowl atmosphere, or whatever, it, it just returns like almost some legitimacy and some access to the playoffs where, you know, so often teams go into a season knowing, you know, even if I go undefeated, that may not be enough. Uh, or I may have to, you know, think about the teams that, what was it? BYU and coastal Carolina that scheduled basically an extra game against each other just to be like, maybe this gives us a shot to compete for the playoff. And maybe this gives us a shot to compete for a championship. I mean, that's not a real sport. You don't have access. Um, if you, if, you know, half the teams don't have access to get and, and compete for a championship. It's, it's not a real sport. It's an invitational. It's, a, you know, hey, we think these are the best guys. Instead, now, no one has an argument if this were to be the system. If you get left out of a 12-team playoff, that's on you. If you want to say, oh, we were snubbed X, Y, and Z, win your conference. Do better. Like, it, it puts the onus back on the schools. I think it legitimizes the champion, certainly more so than two teams, but I think definitely more than four. And what I think you're going to end up seeing is even though there will be some blowouts, there will also be some great games, and there will be chances for those smaller schools and recruiting and scheduling and whatever to, you know, have the same opportunities as all these other big schools. And I think it probably levels the playing field, not entirely, but just a little bit and just enough to where uh, it won't just be, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, whatever, every year.
0: But before we can accept that, This expanded playoff will, as you said, you know, further legitimize whoever the champion ends up being. You kind of have to almost reprogram how you go about thinking, you know, what a deserving champion looks like because it may not happen very often, Scott. But there's going to be a season where, you know, like a nine and three, Ole Miss, or the third place team from the Big Twelve finds a way in, ends up winning a couple games, and. You know, maybe goes to the championship or maybe ends up winning it all and we're gonna to have to think about it differently whereas now we know in most years like the two teams who are battling it out for the championship are in all likelihood two of the top three or four teams in the country and that's not always going to be the case under this new format
2: yeah I think that's fair and you know I would just counter to that by saying name another sport. Uh, literally one that follows the same format as college football currently does. I mean, think about the NFL and the six-seeded uh, New York Giants making a run to the Super Bowl. You know, when they won, did anyone say, you know, oh, they don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl? No, they won, you know, a bunch of incredibly tough games against playoff teams. They beat the, you know, I, I think probably both times the Patriots, and, yeah, they won the Super Bowl. They were the Super Bowl champions. And Think about the NCAA tournament. Think about the years where a number one overall seed like Kentucky falls. And I think that year Duke beat Wisconsin in the championship game. Uh, Kentucky, I want to say, was undefeated going into the tournament. You know, no one said, oh, well, Duke wasn't the best team the whole year. No, they won the NCAA tournament. They're the champion. Like, yes, they weren't you know, the best team throughout the entire season. But I think in just about every other sport, we haven't really cared about that. And the reason being that, you know, we kind of give teams a chance to play for it. I mean, the Miami Heat came out of the the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. And yes, uh, the NBA bubble was a little bit different, but you see that too, where teams, you know, upset other teams, whatever, Um, you know, the, the Atlanta Hawks, were earning the number one seed in the Eastern Conference at a time the Chicago Bulls were, uh, but LeBron and his team would you know go and beat them, and no one would say, "Well, hey, the Hawks were the better team in the regular season." So it's you know it's lame that they're not getting the chance to play for the championship. I think it's just you know about hey, go win your games. It makes coaching more important, the ability to you know kind of on a quick turnaround deal with matchups, understand different teams. It makes non-conference games more intriguing because now teams might not be afraid to schedule either road or harder non-conference games, thinking, you know, hey, I really need to see this different style of play because I might have to deal with it down the line. And again, I think it creates that bridge between the group of five and power five where not only recruits would be more comfortable going to a place, uh, at a lower level where they think that, you know, they might have a chance to compete for something, but also game scheduling, you know, teams may want to play some of those harder games against group of five opponents over, you know, your average power five, uh, you know, non-conference game where, you know, you might think you might see this team down the line, similar to what KU basketball does in how it schedules. you know, against teams it believes will make the NCAA tournament out of smaller conferences. So I, I truly think it's a win-win and yeah, it probably does take some rewiring, but, um, I think it's a rewiring that fans can easily kind of adapt to.
0: Scott Chase and Fog.net with us here for uh, just another minute or two on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Scott, you reported yesterday that Silvio De Sosa has entered the transfer portal. It was my understanding that he was not with the Kansas program any longer. I know that doesn't necessarily mean you can't enter the portal, but uh, do you expect that Silvio will play college basketball again anywhere?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's something I haven't looked into too much just because of what you said, right, that he wasn't with the team. And, uh, you know, there have been some that have popped up and surprised me. I think uh, I want to say Isaiah Bean, if you remember him from the David Beatty era, as I want to say at some point David Beatty called him Dorrance Armstrong 2.0 uh, maybe, but he was away from the team for like multiple years, and then he popped up in the transfer portal uh, it was either last year or I can't remember when that was. But, you know, every now and again a guy pops up and it's a surprise. This one makes a little bit more sense just because, you know, Sylvia De Sousa is basically a year removed from playing basketball. And, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what teams would look at him, be interested in him. I have no idea, you know, how his own legal situation is unfolding, what kind of opportunities uh, could be there or, you know, could he not even have access to depending on what happens. But, yeah, a little bit of a surprise for a guy who – uh, man, if you think about his career, I, there probably has never been more of a roller coaster career from a guy who played in, I, I don't know, 45 ish games, if I had to guess. Um, when you think about going from a Final Four to, you know, basically coming off the bench to being in that brawl uh, to, you know, off court stuff and then obviously entering the transfer portal, it's been a pretty crazy whirlwind.
0: I mean, imagine, remember what we were saying? After the Final Four run in 2018, that, wow, this guy kind of came out of nowhere and was this clutch performer who filled in for Udoka and was so great against Duke, against uh, Marvin Bagley and and Wendell Carter Jr. And I think it was less than a month afterwards, I think it was at the banquet, at the end-of-the-year banquet, when um, the news came out, or that day, or like the day before, about uh, the, the investigation into Silvio, and it's, you're right, man. It's There's been so much on and off the court that I don't know if there's anybody who is going to leave behind a more complex legacy at Kansas than he did.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, from the Big 12 tournament, I go back before that. His first game, he was unplayable. He played like two minutes. He had a turnover and a foul, and it looked like this guy is never going to play basketball. The next game, he played seven minutes, I want to say, at West Virginia. And he, like, holds his own. He gets a few rebounds. He scores his first bucket. By the end of the year, he's playing, you know, he plays 10 minutes a couple times. He has a double-figure scoring game. Comes one rebound shy of averaging a double-double in the Big 12 tournament, what he does against Duke. And if you remember going into one of the seasons when it was unsure of, you know, whether or not he would be able to play, fans wanted him on the court so much that even with... Diedrich Lawson and Doke and David McCormick on the roster, they were saying, you know, why can't you play him at the three? Why can't you go three big men uh, at the same time? Now, obviously, that roster changed when Doak got injured. And Silvio, I believe that was the year he wasn't eligible. But, I mean, people really believed in him and wanted him. And uh, I think that year off, probably uh, right or wrong, you know, whether or not that was a fair punishment for him, especially because he wasn't really alleged to be involved uh, with any of, of kind of the, the violations that occurred around him. Uh, right or wrong, I think that year away from basketball probably set his development back in ways that you know none of us can really imagine. He, he was obviously practicing with the team, um, and he obviously got the chance to play when that year was over. But for a guy who looked so raw and who seemed to get comfort when he was on the court in the most competitive moments and had the chance to play through mistakes – uh, to not have that year where he was basically, you know, just a, a practice player, um, you know, I, I think that really kind of stunted his development. I think it changed his career trajectory. And again, right or wrong, I, you know, I, I think that's made the the legacy of Silvio de Sosa and and I guess everything that came from him kind of impossible to know uh, what would have happened otherwise.
0: He's Scott Chasen. You can check out his work at fog.net, 247sports.com. Scott, congratulations on the Twitter verification. We'll talk to you again soon, man.
2: Yeah, I have you on a separate list because I only see my verified notifications, Mm. but trust me, you're on the separate list. So I can can see your tweets, too.
0: Appreciate you taking the time, sir. (laughs) Thanks. All righty, that's Scott Chasen, fog.net. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwart. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. This episode is brought to you by Tommy's Express Car Wash. Join the Tommy Club. You can download the Tommy Club app and enjoy endless washing for one low price, Derek. That means unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, which, by the way, I've taken advantage of. It's kind of like the the express lane on the highway. You don't necessarily like to lord over everybody else, but when you're zooming through, and getting in to get your car washed first, like that's why it's called Tommy's Express, right? You get unlimited access to all their locations, unlimited guest service, and perhaps most importantly, unlimited happiness, Derek. And I think that's something that we just don't emphasize nearly enough in life. I'm looking at your car right now. I'm thinking it could maybe use a trip to Tommy's Express. What do you got going on later? Thinking maybe you should stop there on your way home. You gonna at least consider it?
1: I will absolutely be going to Tommy's Express Car Wash.
0: Now, the the outside of your car, the exterior, it does look okay. Where my concern begins is the interior of your car.
1: Yeah, when you have I, a, I a I don't a think dog, I don't
0: think the inside of that car has seen a deep cleaning in quite some time.
1: No, when you have a dog, when you have a golden retriever, you got hair everywhere, and they have those vacuums that you know, it's going to get out for you. So, yeah, I'm definitely making an appointment. Tommy's Express Car Wash.
0: What I love about the, the vacuums at Tommy's Express, the cord comes down from the top, so you're not having to try and wrap it around your car and getting yourself into a pretzel. No, very flexible vacuums. You want to go to the left side of the car, the right side of your car, you're perfectly good. Tommy's Express Car Wash. Wash, rinse, repeat. We're going to rank some stuff coming up about 15 minutes from now in another edition of Let's Rank Stuff. I'm Nick Schwartz. He's Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Oklahoma just won the Women's College World Series. It's their fifth national championship, first since 2017. What do you think about that? Oklahoma just... Good at athletics. What else is there it's to say? It's like Oklahoma and Texas A&M, I feel like, in Stanford. Yeah, Stanford kills it in and all Oklahoma the non-rev th- stuff. All the women's athletics. You know, it's funny about the non-rev sports is those schools, well, I don't know about Stanford if they qualify, because Stanford's technically private, right? So I don't know how that works. But Oklahoma and Texas A&M are routinely near the top of athletic department revenue every year because if you can actually make revenue off the quote-unquote non-rev sports, then you have a huge advantage over the rest of the field. So there's a press conference going on right now with the College Football Working Group fielding questions about their proposed college football playoff expansion to 12 teams that was announced earlier today. I think the big question that a lot of people have is how this format is actually going to work. First and foremost, expanding from 4 to 8 would have been significant, but not to the point of wondering if you have to rework the entire regular season. But expanding to 12, I think, does raise those questions. Because right now, what's the most games the team's going to play in a season? 13? Can you play four? Is that right? In a in a season with a conference championship, yes. Is it, can, can You you can't play 14 games, right? Well, with the playoff, yeah. With the, I'm with talking about games. the whole thing, the whole season, from start to finish. If you win the national championship, go undefeated, win your conference championship, how many games are you playing? Oh, 15. So Alabama, like this past year, played 15 games. Yeah. So, no, not this year because you had the COVID shortened year. But, like, right, yeah, okay. you go back two years, yeah. Under this system, if you played a full regular season, played in the conference championship, and let's say you weren't one of the top four teams, right, where you didn't have the first round bye, you're talking about potentially playing 17 games. And we're seeing this, and we know why we see it, because more games, more television money, more revenue. But you're also subjecting these kids to more potential harm and danger, and I get it. Like, the, the, there's part of me that just says you know what you're signing up for. But also, they're still not getting paid. We'll see what happens with name, image, and likeness. But there's also a, I can't like, imagine they're going to allow the season to no. jump to 17. There's, a,
1: there's like a medical bill I think that they're trying to pass that would allow for players to have a certain amount of um, like medical coverage post college football it's so like once you get done if you have like you know severe injuries during your time playing afterwards once you get out of college what happens well there has to be some sort of coverage
0: somebody asked uh one of these members of the working group what athletic directors are Are asking at this point, which is why aren't those quarterfinal games, so those second round games why aren't they being played on college campuses like the first round games? Why are they instead being relegated to the New Year's Day bowl games? And he said, quote, it gives them an opportunity to be relevant in the system (laughs) the system which would indicate that, you know, something we spoke about earlier, the system is what dictates your value. like being a part of the playoff, being a part of the bowl system. And I'm starting to get the sense, and you, and this is something that you spoke to, that more than anything else, this is about continuing to appease their buddies, In the bowl system, knowing that the people in charge of the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, the, what is it, the All State Sugar Bowl, Mm -hmm. they are not going to sit idly by and allow those bowl games to be lessened by an expanded playoff in any way, shape, or form. Because that'd be fearful. That'd be something that you'd have to be fearful of. Because here's the thing, man, these guys are coming up with suggestions, and we as fans and media, Like you have your takeaways from it, but we don't know exactly what the impact is going to be on the bowl system. Like we we may think one thing, and fast forward ten years, and say, oh yeah, those bowl games like nobody talks about them anymore, nobody values bowl games anymore. It's all about the playoff. That's what's happened over the last couple of years. It's playoff or bust. Like do you if the Orange Bowl isn't a part of the college football playoff, and you have you know Oregon and Iowa State or or Texas A and M. And North Carolina, do you care about that bowl game the same way you cared about that bowl game 10 years ago when it was just the BCS and then the national championship? Of course not. It'd be impossible to because it's not a part of, as he just said there, the system. Now wrapping them into the system means a little bit different and expanding the playoff means what? It means more bowl games are going to be allowed to be a part of the playoff. Certainly all the New Year's Six bowls, but bowls that aren't thought of as being like the premier bowl games could now sort of get a promotion by being wrapped up into this. But I would imagine, man, every single school would prefer to play a game on campus as opposed to playing in a bowl game. For a variety of reasons, like first and foremost, a home postseason game in college football—like how awesome would that be? It'd be incredible. Mm -hmm. And you talk about being like valuing the regular season. Does this devalue the regular season? I'll tell you what doesn't devalue the regular season: having home field advantage in a postseason game, which you don't get. Like maybe you do if you have a slight geographical advantage to whichever neutral site you're playing in. For the most part, like it's a neutral site. What puts more value on the regular season than allowing teams to play a home game in the postseason, which doesn't ever happen? And talk about if you play in a tough, like, Notre Dame. So here's something we haven't
1: talked about, though, with doing that. You're going to open yourself up more. And and I get it. This has been the world of college football, so maybe they just don't care. Um, but maybe this would be an inclination that they do care. With all these questions to the committee about why'd you rank this team this way? Why'd you rank that team that way? If you eliminate having a higher seed getting to host a game, you eliminate some of those questions because now, like part of the beauty of the 12th team playoff, what Scott was saying earlier, if you don't get in and you think you got screwed because your team's 13th and you thought they should have been 12th, sure, you might have a case, but guess what? It's sour grapes because there's 12 teams in, do better. There's still going to be those debates, though, from the teams in. Imagine if your team won your power conference and you're number five and another team wins their power conference, they're number four, and they get the four seed over you. You don't get the first round bye. There is going to be those debates. Now imagine you're the eight seed or the nine seed. Well, we beat this team, we beat them, they beat them. Now they get a home game because of that. Now it's ostensibly harder for us to win that game as an 8-9 matchup. Now we're a four-point underdog instead of it being a pick em. But if you play it on a neutral site, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the college football com- playoff committee or the ranking committee is stupid because they did this, this, and that, and it cost this team a home game, and who knows? Maybe they would have won that game.
0: Yeah. I wonder, too, like about the idea of playing a, a home postseason game like, you get the extra revenue, but you're going to get extra revenue for being a part of the playoff system, like right? Like, that's just going to come Honestly, would it
1: surprise you at all if to counteract those worries about, well, they're going to get extra money for a home playoff game if they just say, no, if you're in a playoff game, we're putting all the money into one pot, and then we're going to give out shares. So if you're in this round, you get one twelfth. If you're in the round of eight, you get one eighth. And so all the ticket sales, regardless of if your game made more than the other game, it all goes into one pot.
0: It does weird doesn't it feel weird that Notre Dame's kind of out on an island now because <laughs> yeah. they can't win a conference so they'll never get a top four seed yet them like they unlike everybody else will never have to worry about playing in a conference championship so they'll never have to consider playing four consecutive games right four consecutive weeks to end the season like that's not going to be a concern for them but I would think they would take the trade-off they would take the trade off of getting to play a game in South Bend over never being able to obtain one of those top four seeds. And the top six seeds. Right? Because the top six are all going to them. So they'll the best Notre Dame's ever going to be able to do is going to be a seven seed, which makes their path to a national championship objectively more difficult than everybody else, like right? from the get go, right? Just because of matchups. And we know, like, Mm -hmm. in some years, like, there is a massive drop-off. And you don't get this in any other sport, man. You don't get this in any other sport, a team sport, where there is just such a significant drop-off from, like, three to four or from two to three. And that will be the case. So, I mean, Notre Dame's going to make a choice. Like, okay, you want to go join the ACC? Of course not. You're never going to do that. I would think the the potential cons would outweigh the pros there.
1: Yeah, I think I, I saw somebody pose it as this way. Um, Notre Dame basically gave up any chance they have to get a bye for increasing their chances of making the playoff. Because think about it. Now, I mean, how often is it that they're going to finish top 12? So often. So maybe, and, and I wouldn't be surprised, like we could go fast forward 15, 20 years, and you could tell me that Notre Dame, by being the five seed every year or being in that five to 12 every year and getting that extra game, on national TV, of the playoff actually helps them in the long run because now I mean they're already such a big brand, but now you're adding a brand to that every year. If you're in the playoff in the first round every year. Yeah, it'll
0: be like their own sort of it'll be like their right? own little thing. Be like the round of Notre Dame every year. Because I think I saw the numbers, seventy one percent of the college football playoff spots have been taken up by four teams. Notre Dame's going to become one of those powers that's in it every single year now. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be, they're not going to be consistently as competitive as Alabama, Clemson. Like they're just not. Mm. But in terms of the at-large bids, like they're going to collect more at-large bids than everybody else.
1: Oh yeah, this is also for like the big colleges. If you don't make the playoff, like if obviously this doesn't apply for Nick Saban, but whoever succeeds Nick Saban. If you don't even make the playoff with 12 teams in a playoff, it's like you're done.
0: Think about Kirby Smart at Georgia.
1: Yeah. If he doesn't make the playoff one year, he's done. Think about whoever's at Texas.
0: Yeah. Like Oklahoma, right? It doesn't have it's to like worry Steve about it. They've Sarkeesian, been four times. Sorry. Yeah. You got two years to make it. You just got it so good. Yeah. You have it so good now. Or and bad. If, and if mean, Iowa State's jumping in over you, then you ain't going to last long. All right. It's about 20 till the hour. We're going to rank some stuff coming up next. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. It is so incredibly hot outside. 93 degrees, I believe, is the high. And I looked at the weather forecast for the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be a lot of high 80s and low 90s. When does summer officially start? Is it later this month? Coming up? Is it June 22nd? Is that the...
1: I thought it was the 21st. It's somewhere around there. Is that, that's like the, the summer, summer solstice, I think it's called.
0: Longest right? day of the yeah. year, right? Uh, which that's nice about summer, but a lot of other things about summer are not so nice. And you know on this show, we like to ignore the positives, focus on the <laughs> negatives. So today in another edition of the most self-explanatory segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio, Let's Rank Stuff, we're going to take a look at the 10 worst things about it being really hot outside, a.k.a. summer. Those, I believe summer is Latin for very warm temperatures. Is that true? I don't think so. Okay. Number 10.
2: Number 10.
0: Yard work. Now, I don't have a yard, so I don't have to do yard work. Fortunately, this is one of the the negatives that doesn't directly apply to me. You said that you pay a, a neighbor kid to mow the lawn, right? No, I do not. You do it yourself?
1: Yeah, I do it myself. It sucks. So, I would agree. I would honestly throw this up higher. Um, try mowing your lawn when it is 90 degrees outside. So, you have two options. Do you get up at Pu- 8 in the morning? Push mower? Yeah, push mower. Do you get up at 8 in the morning? Do you do it late at night when it's starting to get dark out and you just want to come home from work and just relax? There's no good option,
0: and you come in from it, you're doused in sweat, it's awful. You got the blades of grass stuck to your ankles. Because mm-hmm. then when you mow, then you got to do the edging, right? Yeah. You got to do the trimming. And it never ends. Always grows back. Mm-hmm. That's why you should just get AstroTurf put in your yard. Way less maintenance.
2: Number nine.
0: Number nine, people wearing sandals. That's bad? Yeah. I don't want to see your feet. I think I remember this. You, like, hate feet. I hate other people's feet. Okay. They're disgusting. Mm -hmm. The only time it's acceptable to wear sandals is if you're going to the beach or the swimming pool. Other than that, socks, shoes, I mean, dude, it's like it's like the, the step below nudity to me. I would almost rather see your genitalia than wow. see your feet. What if you're like going on a deck? What do you mean a deck?
1: The deck in your backyard.
0: Can you if sandals? you're oh, if if, oh, okay. if you're private, you just don't want it in public. Like you don't exactly. want to see somebody at the movie theater. You can do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. I don't care about so that. So you would,
1: you would, if somebody wore sandals, sat next to you at the movie theater, and then kicked their legs up on the
0: chair next to you, you would freak out. Oh, absolutely. I would probably tell them. You ever have somebody who takes their shoes off on the plane? Oh, yeah. That's disgusting. Awful, awful. And honestly, man, I wouldn't be, like, I'm, I'm not quite as passionate about this one, but I don't even really want to see you in shorts. What? what? I don't even want to see your legs. Okay, that's that's very that very weird.
1: You
0: have to wear what? pants when it's 100 degrees out? I'm wearing pants today. I'm not going to subject you like, to looking at my legs. What if at you're my outside? Legs. We're inside If you're at the swimming pool If you're on the golf course If you're doing an activity like that, that's fine But if you're just like walking around in public No, that's not cool Cover the legs up, cover the feet up People wearing sandals, number nine Number eight Every outdoor surface has now turned into a griddle Yo, you want to sit on that park bench? Be careful You're going to burn your ass Oh, you want to touch that handrail? You're going to singe the palm of your hand Every hard surface. Asphalt is the worst, man. Try walking across an asphalt parking lot and the heat just radiating up from your shoes to the rest of your body. We need to come up with a new chemical substance that is impervious to heating up in the summer. (laughs) I don't think this one should be as high because it doesn't affect you as often.
1: It's only number eight. I mean, but some of the other ones, I mean, there's only two below it, but I think those things might affect you more. You'd rather have people
0: wearing sandals? Well, You wouldn't. (laughs) I don't really
1: care about that one, but, like, I do yard work more than that one affects me. Although, I will say, I went on a walk with my dog the other day, Mm. and, like, halfway through the walk, I was like, why are my feet so warm? And it's just because the accumulation of stepping on the hot concrete. just heats up your rubber soles.
0: Yeah, I hate it when you're just, like, you're trying to sit on this, lean against that, touch that. Everything around me is hot. It's like, what am I allowed to touch? The answer is nothing because it's hot out
2: number seven number
0: seven smelling terrible <laughs> okay now this doesn't affect me as much in terms of me smelling terrible for other people but I have a very keen sense of smell mm. and I noticed during summer most everybody else smells bad yeah because they've been sweating right because you're touching things that are hot you alluded to exactly so I'm not a I'm not a stinker but I'm a smeller okay and I and I notice and that's the other thing is I feel just as bad for the people who are the stinkers because they know. Or maybe they don't. Maybe even worse, they have wow. no idea, so they're not taking any sort of measures to try and counteract that.
1: So you just—what you just, what we're finding here is you just don't want to be around
0: people in the summer. You don't want to smell them. You don't want to yeah. see their legs. You don't want to see their That's feet. That's the other thing about summer is more people are out, so it's impossible to avoid them. Go to the grocery store. Go to do this, that. Everything's more popular in the summer.
2: Number six.
0: Number six, bugs. Those are always around though Not in the winter Spiders guess that's an insect No they're not or,
1: I'm in, not an insect
0: but No there's no insects around in the winter
1: You never get spiders in your house in the winter?
0: No I live on the third floor of my apartment So I don't have to worry about that that's I don't a, think that's how it works Exactly how it works How are they going to get all the way up there? They climb? No It's You've above You've never the- had a
1: spider in your apartment?
0: Mmm No I don't believe you I think you're just not
1: seeing them I would see You've seen those studies, right, where it's like you swallow four spiders a year or whatever? That's
0: made that's a wives' <laughs> tale. That's not true. It I'm talking like mosquitoes. Like mosquito bites. Yeah, those are. That sucks, man. You know, some places you go and they just don't have bugs. Like some parts of the country. Like I was in Colorado last week and they don't have bugs up there. Must be the elevation. Cicadas? That's a big thing, but it's not really affecting us here in Kansas. Fireflies here you know, what, you know what I hate the June bugs. Oh, the June yeah. bugs, dude! I hate the June bugs. When they'll get, and they're so stupid because they'll attracted to a light, and then they'll just fall onto the ground, and they'll get stuck on their back. June bugs have to be the most unintelligent species of insect around. When I was a kid, and you'd have the garage lights on, and there would just be dozens of June, and you'd just hear them buzzing around, and there'd be dozens of them just like wiggling around on their back, trying to get back on their feet so they can move the worst June bugs bugs in general one of the worst things about summer number five into the top five now let's rank stuff ten worst things about it being really hot outside number five when you sweat so much that your clothes stick to your body I feel like that goes in line with whatever was that number six smelling bad But it's not the same thing. I
1: mean, if you're sweaty
0: enough that your clothes
1: are sticking to your body, some. But
0: that's this thing. I sweat, but I don't stink. Like my sweat. I don't believe that. Have you ever thought? Oh my God! We sit in close proximity together every day. Have you ever thought to yourself, Nick stinks today? Every day. That's not true, and you know it because I'm the one who's always complaining about other people stinking, or like it stinks in here. See, I don't
1: think that one's that bad. I think it's more like
0: the reason sweating sucks is if it stinks. Like, You know when you go to to use the bathroom and you like pull your waistband down of your underwear and you can just feel the sweatband there. It's sticking. Back of the shirt. Oh, the back of the shirt's the worst. I don't get sweat there. So, like, I don't know. You don't sweat on your back? No, not really. I would say if if we were ranking the top 10 places I sweat the most, Mm -hmm. back would be top three.
1: What would be the worst place to sweat? Feet. It's always feet with you. Like an anti-foot fetish It's an
0: anti-foot fetish That's right Ladies, take note Number four I get lots of fan mail from ladies And <laughs> I need you guys to stop yeah. sending me foot pictures <laughs> Number four, sunburns
1: Yeah, those suck But you can get those whenever too Like, not whenever, whenever, you
0: know The UV exposure is not quite the same in the winter as It's it is not of the
1: spring You can get it in the fall
0: When are you most likely to get it? Let's not play games here Summer, I'm just saying Let's not, okay, let's not do this You're most likely to get it in the summer. The sun is closest to the earth, then. That's why it's so warm. Do I have to give you this whole rundown?
1: Still happens other times. You go out and play golf in a fall day, a spring day, still get sunburned.
0: Dude, the UV rays aren't as strong. But you still get sunburned. Less likely to get sunburned. They say you're supposed to wear sunscreen year round, but this time of year, I have to wear it like every single day. I have, I have, I have, uh, a sunscreen, like, moisturizer that I put on my face wow. every day. I'm very fair-skinned, so I can't handle much. But even the people who are, like, the people who don't wear any sunscreen and they just get sunburned and then two days later it turns into a tan. Like, you're just signing up for skin cancer at that point. So that let that be a PSA and also number four in the worst things about it being really hot out.
2: Number three.
0: We're under the metal stand now. Top three things that are worst about it being very hot out. Number three having to shower twice a day. Shower in the morning when you wake up, and by the time you get home, you've been sweating all day. Like earlier today, walking just from my car to the inside of the building. It's a 40-foot walk. By the time I got in, I'm like trying to fan myself off because I've already sweat, and then it hits you. Oh, I'm going to have to shower right when I get home. This one hasn't affected me as much just because of, like ever since COVID started,
1: I had been making it a routine where I, I normally would shower in the morning, and I'd come home, Strip off all my clothes and shower. Get all the bad germs off, you know? I don't know if it actually, like, affected anything, whatever. Um, But that's just kind of been in my routine now. It hasn't been affected by summer. Like, it's just what I do now.
0: Man, when it, when COVID hit, yeah, I was, like, not showering sometimes. When I was working from home more, I would go two, three days without showering. Yeah, see, but that makes sense. And then that's same thing about that. winter. You're not sweating, so you don't feel like you need to shower. This time of year, you're sweating all the time. You got to shower all the time.
2: Number two.
0: Number two. Your car has turned into an oven. Oh yeah,
1: no, this is really bad. I, uh, my air conditioning's not working in my car right now. I have to take it to the shop this
0: weekend. Mm, that is the, that's the most, that's the biggest beating in the world. Yeah, of just having to be that dude who's just rolling around with the windows down yeah. when it's hundred degrees out. That's
1: the thing. It's like, how much is it really accomplishing? And when you get stopped at a light and there's no none of the airflow no coming in, air, oh god, it's awful. I got home yesterday because I went to the store, drove home, and just from that quick drive, I was like
0: doused in sweat. You probably had to shower afterwards, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, did. Two-in-one special there. Your car is now a convection oven. That's number two. Worst things about it being hot. Mm-hmm. Have you ever number touched like the really one. hot
1: seat belt? It's always the worst. Right when you get in the car. Oh, yeah, like the it. metal piece. Yeah. Do you
0: have leather seats or do you have cloth seats? Cloth. See, that's a little bit better. All right, but the number one spot, the number one worst thing about it being very hot out. People complaining about how hot it is. (laughs) I'm Nick Schwert, and that's Let's Rank Stuff. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk.